Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey there. Good morning. Good morning, Redemption. How are you guys doing today? Good? Awesome. Hey, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. Um, that's where we've been hanging out for the last month as we've been walking through our series, Live by Faith. And so um, Habakkuk is a little book buried in the Old Testament. Um, and so it's going to take you a minute to find it. And so while you're digging around looking for it, I got a couple of things I want to say. Um, first is uh, next week we kick off our sermon series, Best Sermon Ever. And so I am super excited for this series. A um, couple of reasons being is I've invited some of my best friends, some of the wisest, most uh, godliest uh, people that I know to come in and serve our church by getting some good Bible teaching in here. And so I am super jacked for this series. So you're going to want to bring friends. They're going to come. They're going to have an awesome time. And then in September, when I set up to preach, they're going to be like, hey, who's that guy? Um, and uh, they're stuck with me. And, uh, and so we've already got them and this could be good. So you're going to want to be at best sermon ever. So while we're doing best sermon ever, um, here's what I'm going to be working on. Um, in September, we're going to be launching new missional communities. And uh, we're going to be launching about five missional communities across Southeast Texas. And so as new, uh, new people come in and get connected into the church, um, we want to provide new opportunities for them to grow in their faith. And so missional communities are the way that we do this. Uh, missional communities are the heart and the, the backbone for who we are as a church. So I would want nothing less of you than to be connected into an MC. Um, because uh, MCs are us overlapping our lives with loving Jesus and serving one another. My faith, when, I, when I'm wrestling and I'm having questions, I'm so encouraged by hearing your stories, by serving alongside of you, eating good food. And it's amazing because we have an amazing church and we serve an amazing God. And so we want you to be involved in one of those MCs. So when you came in, there was a connect card. I said this last week, and you guys are so good at following instructions. We had one person fill it out. So uh, I'm going to say it again. Um, if you want to be in an MC, whether you're in one, interested in one, we want you to fill out that card and just check on the backs. It says, it says uh, missional communities. So just check it. And then at the end of the gathering, you just drop it in the basket in the back. So um, get connected, get signed up, get plugged in. It's awesome. So by now, You've probably found Habakkuk. Um, and so uh, we're going to set it up, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Habakkuk is, um, is a guy wrestling with God. That's what he's doing. He's wrestling with God. He's going to God. He's asking him the tough questions. And what we see is he gets alone with God and God responds. And over and over again, we're just taking a look and learning from his life and how he grows in faith. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is Habakkuk is wrapping all of this up. He is going to teach us how we are to grow in our faith in uncertain times. And so we'll pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we praise you for you are good. Lord, I know sometimes um, the, the world around us um, feels overwhelming. And some people in this room have had some really tough weeks. And so we pray for that person for that family, that you would bring respite, you would bring healing, and you would bring rest. Heavenly Father, some of us come with stories of celebration and of testimonies of your goodness. Lord, we praise you for that. And, uh, and, and we share the burdens with those in this room. And we recognize that you have called us all together as a family, as a community, to care, care for one another and to serve the city. And we pray that that's what we do today. We remember your past. We praise you for your presence in the present. And we look forward to your promises in the future. 
We pray all of this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So in our missional communities at my house, um, we meet on Tuesday nights, and walking through Habakkuk for, for us, um, for me, has been profound. It's been very insightful and very impactful because I know that um, hearing stories after stories of what God has done in your life, I am constantly reminded of his faithfulness. I'm constantly reminded because um, we've been asking questions like, how, how did you meet Jesus? Um, who were you before Jesus? What has he done for you? How did you get connected in the church? And over and over again, I, I hear stories of God's faithfulness. And some of you, you have stories of loss, of, of heartache or hardships. I've heard stories of depression and stories of death and, and miscarriages and divorce. But whenever we, we share that story and, and we step back and we hear it from, from God's perspective, I am constantly convinced convinced that, that, that faith grows in the fire, that faith grows in the fire, and that when things are at the darkest, that's when the light shines the brightest. And, and so when we take a step back and we see it from God's perspective and we listen to the stories of those around us, I am constantly reminded of God's goodness for us here in our community. And that's where Habakkuk is at. When Habakkuk is writing this, he is living in a time of complete uncertainty. He's living in a time to where his whole nation is in disrepair, it's in disrepute, and it is in ruins. And he is going to God and he's asking God, why? God, what is going on? God, what are you doing? And he gets alone with God and he listens and he responds. And as he gets alone, God gives him what is a song. And so God gives Habakkuk a song, a song for him to sing to the nation, a song for him to remind himself. And so um, me, writing, uh, whenever I was, before I was a pastor, before I was a husband, before I was, um, you know, uh, I was actually in bands. And so I, I would play in these bands. I was in a punk band. I was in some hardcore bands. And um, I traveled across the country, and I would, I would play in these bands. And so um, I, I wasn't actually any good at instruments or playing anything. So um, I had cool tattoos, long hair. So they just put me up front to scream. And, uh, and that's what I did. Um, and so I just made a lot of noise. And, uh, but one of the things that I loved most about being in these bands was I loved writing lyrics. I loved being able to sit down and write a song. Now, at this stage in my life, I was not following Jesus. So I was, um, I was, uh, I tried to be an atheist, but I couldn't pull it off. Um, so I was more agnostic, um, but I was vehemently agnostic. I was an angry agnostic. I didn't want anybody to talk to me about God. I didn't want anything to do with God. Um, and, and so that's just where I was at in my life. And so as I'm getting inspiration, when I get alone, when I, when I sit down to write, what was frustrating for me is as I would sit down to write, I would, I, every song that I wrote would be about me wrestling with faith. And I, I didn't believe in God. I didn't want anybody to talk to me about God. But when I got alone, I sat down, I started to write these songs. It was frustrating because over and over again, it would be songs about God. And so we would play shows and we'd go and we'd play a show. And, um, and, and people would come up and say, hey, are you Christian? And I'd be drunk or stoned out of my mind and I'd just shrug off the answer because I was in a place to where I didn't know. I didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want anything to do with it. But what I found was interesting is that when I sat down, that was the deepest and truest expression of myself. And that's what... That's what music does is it, it has the ability to transcend our realities. Music has the ability to pull out of us some of the deepest feelings that we have. It causes us to take a different perspective uh, of our lives. And so music is absolutely powerful. And this is why God gives Habakkuk a song. 
He gives him a song because it shows him a different perspective of the realities that he lives in. And so as Habakkuk gets alone with God, he writes a song. Do any of you, any of you guys creative? We got any arty types in here? You know, you like to, to, to paint, to draw, you do photography, you know, play an instrument. You know, God is the, the, the great creator, right? God is the greatest artist. Like all of creation is his canvas, okay? And so when we get alone with God, as Christians, we get a little creative, right? And, and so, you know, in, 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 in heaven, like we're all gonna sing, okay? So maybe then we'll finally hit the note, right? Um, in heaven, we're all going to sing. We're, and also in the book of Revelation, it tells how God's going to give us instruments. And so in heaven, I'm finally going to be able to clap on beat. Um, and I don't know if there's a hardcore section in heaven, but that's probably where they'll put me. Um, and so, so when we get alone with God, we tend to get a little creative. And God gives Habakkuk here a song. Um, and what the purpose of this song is, is over and over again in the book of Habakkuk is Habakkuk learning how to wrestle with faith. That over and over again, between war, between injustice, between violence, Habakkuk is wrestling with God and what he is doing is he is learning to live by faith. That is the great theme. That is the great narrative of this book is how we are to live by faith. And so what Habakkuk is going to teach us today is how we are to live by faith when all hell breaks loose. He's going to teach us how we can grow in our faith when all hell breaks loose. And I pray for us as a church that this will be, um, this will be the song for, for us as a community, that, that we can get this song in our hearts, and that we can learn the lyrics, we can learn to sing it, and we can encourage one another, we can remind one another of what God has done, that we can take this song, internalize it, and then share it to our friends, share it to our families, share it to our coworkers, and to the city around us. But first, before God changes the city, before God changes the world, first he must change our hearts. And so I'm praying for us as a church that we get this song in our hearts. And so this is what Habakkuk says in, as he picks up in chapter three. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to the Shigioneth. Let's pause right there. So I asked my papa the other day, he's 70, um, how long you have been in church? Give or take a Sunday, I'm sure you missed one, 70 years. Um, and I said, how many times have you heard a sermon or heard, heard about the Shigioneth? And he looked at me like, the Shigioneth? Would you just call me, right? Um, <laughs> and the thing is that we don't really talk about the Shigioneth, okay? And so what is the Shigioneth? What it is is really, it's a, it's a song of lament, it's a song of deep yearning. It's a song of brokenness. And so um, the, the chord progression of it would be very dissonant, filled with minor chords. And so Habakkuk is writing this song. And honestly, it's a song that you probably wouldn't hear on Christian radio. And so as Habakkuk is writing this, he is pouring out his heart in deep yearning, in anticipation, but also in doubt and in faith. And so as we read this, let's just catch a glimpse of what he is trying to communicate. And this is what he says. He says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. What's Habakkuk doing here? He is looking back. 
He's looking back. He's looking back to the past. He is recalling all of the things that God has, has done. And he is saying, God, I want to see it. So if we're going to hold on to the faith that grows in the fire, we have to hold on to the things that God has done. And so God is, Habakkuk rather, is, is looking back and he's saying, God, I have heard about it, but I have never seen it. He's saying, God, I've heard about the times that you have led your people out, but I've never seen it. God, I've heard about the miracles in the past, but I've never seen it. I've heard about the revivals, but I've never seen it. How come? How come I've heard about you delivering your people and I've heard about you healing, but I have never seen it? God, I want to see it. And maybe you feel like this and you're thinking like, how come I've never seen a miracle? Right? I mean, that's never happened to me. How, how come I, I keep praying and praying, um, but my, my husband or my wife, my boyfriend, girlfriend, they still won't come to church? How come I've been praying and praying, but none of my friends are getting saved? I've heard about your provision. I've heard about your will. But God, I've, I've never seen it. God, I want to see it. This is where Habakkuk is at. Maybe this is the same place that some of you are at in your lives. And so how many of you guys are praying for the day? You're just praying for the day. That, that, that when, you, when you drive down 11th or Calder, then you don't see homeless people. Not because we've made it illegal, but because they're flourishing. How many of you pray for the day to see, to, to see your, your kiddo's testimony be like, my mom loved Jesus, my dad loved Jesus, I love Jesus, and I love being a part of his church. Like, that's the story that we all want to hear. How, how, how often do you pray that, that injustice and violence and wickedness is something you read about in textbooks and you don't see on the news? How often do you pray that God's glory would spread across the earth like the water covers the sea and that the renewal of all things will take place? And this is what God has called us to do. This is what God has called us to be a part. And so we're praying, we're praying, we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're anticipating, but still we look around and we say, God, why? God, I want to see it. Why don't I see it? I've heard about it, but I've never experienced it. And this is where Habakkuk is at. And what Habakkuk does is he encourages himself in the Lord by reminding himself of all the things that God has done in the past. He's recurring, he's reminding himself of God's recurring faithfulness. And in these days, what they would do is they would retell the Exodus story. And so they would retell the Exodus story to, to, to communicate God's faithfulness throughout the ages. And so this is what Habakkuk is going to do for, for a big chunk of this text. And so I want to um, give us, and we're just going to kind of hammer out a little Old Testament survey for us today. And so we're going to do a little theology, okay? You guys can do this. I know it's 11. I know it's early, some of you, but you can make it. It's going to be great. Um, and the reason why I want to do this is because some of us, I know that we are new to faith. And so we haven't really had the, uh, the, the opportunity to study the scriptures. And so when we tell some stories, we might not know everything that Habakkuk is talking about. And so I want to, I want to kind of set up um, this Old Testament survey for us. Also, it's a good reminder for us in our life to remember over and over again, like Habakkuk, that God is faithful. And so so Habakkuk is recalling the story of God's redemption. He's recalling the story of God's salvation. And what he does is he starts back with Abraham. And so Abraham is a guy who, um, he was a pagan living in a pagan land. 
And he was worshiping everything but God. He was worshiping the sun, the trees, the stars, the moon. He was worshiping everything but God. And then God gives Abraham favor. Abraham finds favor in God, and that's the Old Testament word for grace. And so he finds grace in God, and God gives him a promise that he was going to be the father of a nation, and from his seed would come all of salvation. So Abraham had to wait on that promise. And he finally had a son when he was 100, okay? And so he waited and waited, and finally God delivered on the promise. And from that promise, he had Isaac. Now, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob means deceiver, so he spent his entire life just ripping people off. He spent his entire life just stealing from his brother and deceiving others around him. And then, so he was out in the wilderness alone. And then he comes upon the angel of the Lord. So this is one of those weird stories in the Bible where uh, if you read it, it's, it's pretty profound. So he comes across the angel of the Lord. So he begins to wrestle with God himself. So he grabs a hold of God and he starts fighting with God. And so he grabs him and he says, I will not let go until you bless me. And so he's wrestling with God and then God decides, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, to bless you, but I'm going to dislocate your hip. And so he touches him on the hip and he dislocates his hip. And what he's saying is, this is a constant reminder that if you're going to walk with God, you're going to walk with a limp. If you're going to walk with me, you're going to trust in my strength, not in your own. If you're going to walk with me, you're going to serve me, you're going to follow me, you're going to do so with a limp. And that's a great reminder for us all today. That if we're going to follow God, we're going to rest in his, in his strength and not our own. And we're walking with God and living by faith means doing so with a limp. So, so God changes his name to Israel. And then he has a bunch of sons. He has one son that he loves more than all of the others. And so he gives him a coat. This guy's name's Joseph. And so he gives Joseph a coat. And uh, Joseph's brothers get jealous and they take Joseph. They say, we're going to kill him. But instead of killing him, they throw him into a pit. And they throw him in a pit and they sell him into slavery. So he's a slave in Egypt, in prison for years until the Pharaoh has a dream, calls Joseph to come and interpret this dream. And so Joseph interprets the dream. The Pharaoh is so impressed that he promotes him to governor of all of the land. And so there is a famine that happens. And in this famine, all of his brothers who tried to kill him, who sold him to slavery, they are hungry, they are dying. And so they come into Egypt to receive um, food. And so they see Jacob, they don't know, I mean, they see Joseph, they don't know it's him. And Joseph recognizes it, plays a couple of tricks on him, trying to, you know, uh, try to pull that out of them. And then this awesome verse in, in, in Genesis ver chapter 50, he says, what you have meant for evil, God has meant for good. And what, and, and, and what you meant for evil, God's meant for good. And now because of this, I get to feed the entire world. And over and over again, throughout all of the nation of Israel's history, it says this, that God was with them. That in those moments of pain, God was with them. In the moments of questioning, God was with them. In the moments of doubt and despair and all of these things, God was with them. So Joseph then moves all of his family into Egypt. So all the tribe of Israel now lives and resides in Egypt. Years go by, Joseph's dead, and another king or Pharaoh takes over, and, and he does not know who Joseph is. So as he takes over, he sees all of the Israelites growing, multiplying, flourishing, prospering, and he says, hey, um, if there's an insurrection or if there's a rebellion, these people could overthrow us. So he oppresses them and he puts them in captivity as slaves. So for years, for actually 
400 years, the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt. And God's people are crying out. They're crying out, God, save us. God, help us. God, deliver us. And God raises up a leader. His name is Moses. And so he sends Moses to set his people free. God sends plagues. God sends signs. God sends wonders to set his people free. And as they're leaving Egypt, they come across to the sea, to the Red Sea. God splits the Red Sea in front of them and sends a stiff wind to blow through. And so they begin to walk across the sea, uh, you know, dry land. And as they enter into the wilderness, looking forward to the promised land, the people begin to grumble and complain. And they, they want to go back to Egypt. True lesson for all of us in times of suffering and questioning, what do we do? We go back to our old lives. And so we could look at the, the Israelites and we could think, oh, what primitive people, right? How primitive are they? But really we're the same way today. That when we have questions or doubts or suffering, we tend to go back to our old lives and to our old ways. And so they're complaining, and, and, and so they do so for 40 years in the wilderness, but God is leading them. He says, I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm going to lead you through it. I'm going to put, a, a, I'm gonna put a, a cloud by day. So God, what are you doing? I don't know. Follow the cloud. Right? Maybe you're like, ah, should I date this guy? Where's the cloud? Right? Maybe you're this like, should I, should I buy this? There's the cloud. Where's the cloud? And then at night, because you can't see clouds, what does he do? He puts fire. And so God is always giving them direction. God is always leading them, even when they're trying to leave him. He's still with them. So that generation dies. Moses dies. A guy named Joshua takes over. So Joshua takes over, leads them into the promised land, yet there are still battles that they have to face. And so as they're facing these battles, there's, there's a fight, there's a, there's a war that, that they are losing and that they cannot win. And so God causes the sun to stand still in the heavens for a full day so they could fight and they could win this battle. And what's Habakkuk doing? He's saying over and over again, God has been faithful to us. Over and over again, miracle after miracle, God has been with us. God has been faithful. God has done what he does. And I know what you're thinking. Why is this important to me? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with what I'm walking through? What does this have to do with my life? What does this have to do with my current circumstances? And the truth is, that if you don't know what God has done, you can't trust him in the present and you will not trust him for the future. That we have to have a reference point for his goodness, his character, his mercy, his grace, and his redemption. That if he did it for them, he can do it for you. And that we serve the same God both now and forever. And that his plan for redemption is still playing out in every seat in this room. And so we have to be able to reflect back on what God has done so we would hold on to it in the present moment and we can also look forward to his promises in the future. And so what Habakkuk's saying is that it's not just about divine reflection though. He's also telling us that it's about personal preparation. Let's pick it up in verse 17. This is what he says. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, Though the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fell, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What's Habakkuk doing here? He is preparing himself for pain. He is preparing himself for hardships, for suffering and injustice. 
Now, back in those days, there was no retirement plans. There was no Roth IRAs. You didn't have all of your money tied up in the stocks. If there was no food, you didn't eat. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. And what's Habakkuk saying here? He's saying, though the fig tree would not blossom, nor the fruit be on its vines, and the produce of the olive fail. He's preparing himself for pain. He's saying, one day, all of this is going to be gone. One day, I'm going to lose everything. One day, it's all going to be destroyed. And that day, what am I going to do? He is preparing himself for pain. And so in our lives, we need to to, to recognize that there are times and moments that all of this might be gone. And I know what you're, like nobody ever thinks it's gonna happen to them. We turn it on the news, we see it happen all around us, but nobody ever thinks it's gonna happen to them. Nobody ever thinks that they're gonna be the front page of a newspaper and a story or it's a wreck driving down I-10, even though we, we drive that road every day and we always see a wreck on the side of the road, but nobody ever thinks it's gonna be him. What does the backup do? He's preparing himself for pain. Though everything may fail, what am I gonna do? And see, this is why you don't hear Habakkuk's song on Christian radio. It's because this isn't what we've been taught. This isn't the Christianity that we have been sold. Some of us, we have been misled. Some of us, we've been misled. We've been taught that if you raise your hand, if you pray a prayer, if you walk the aisle, then everything's gonna be all right. Then everything's going to be fine. But that's not always the case. Just because you sing some hymns, click your heels together and think happy thoughts, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna play out. Sure, we praise God for provision. We pray for provision. But what do we do when it doesn't play out? Because that's just not always the case. That's just not always the way that it works. And so Habakkuk is reminding himself of his salvation. He's reminding himself of what God has done in his life over and over again, how God has been faithful. But he's also reminding himself of God's presence in his present circumstances. Some of us, we feel this in our lives. Maybe you, you, you could ask this question. You could say, um, God, why, why? You know, God, why? Um, have you ever noticed this, that, that the, good, the good die young and the jerks live forever? Have anybody, you ever experienced? And, and so you're, you're wondering, you're just looking around, you're saying, God, why? God, what is happening? God, what are you doing? And the truth is, is that bad things happen. And bad things happen to good people. And we could even take it a step further that bad things happen to godly people. People who have trusted in the Lord for their salvation, who have prayed, who have been faithful. And God has still, that, 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 that um, even faithful people still experience tremendous hardships and tremendous pain. And some of you in this room, you feel that. You feel that same tension. You have uh, suffered from miscarriages and you've prayed and yet you, you still had faith. Some of you, 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 you've lost your jobs even though you've worked hard and you've prayed and you've still been unemployed. Some of you, you, you pay your tithes, you pay your bills, you pay your taxes, but you can still barely put food on the table for your family. And so you wrestle with this as well, that some things happen and you're left and you're wondering, God, why? God, what is happening? God, what are you doing? And let's be honest, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is hell. And so Habakkuk is remem- remembering that when life is hard, when life is hell, that God is still faithful. And that's what he's reminding himself of. He's reminding himself of God's 
presence, in his present circumstances. And so I know you're like, sure, yeah, it's easy for us to look back through scripture and say, okay, of course God could do it for Abraham and Moses. I mean, those guys are in the Bible, right? Habakkuk, that's like the most biblical name ever. Right? No, no wonder God would answer their prayers. I mean, look at them. But I mean, my name is like Brandon or Kayla, right? No wonder God's forgotten me. It doesn't even sound biblical, right? So what do I do? How do I live my life? How does this affect me? What do I do when all hell is breaking loose? How do I have faith in the fire? What do I do? Luckily for us, verse 18 exists. This is what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And what he's saying here is that I will have joy in God's presence and not in my present circumstances. I will have joy in God's grace, not in the, the world around me, that I can go through hell and still experience his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his redemption, that I can trust in his presence in the presence of pain. That, that the presence of God is not defined by my present circumstances, by what I'm walking through, by what I am going through. And, and so listening in our MCs and listening to you around dinner tables and hearing conversations with you, I'm constantly reminded of God's goodness in your life, that God's grace is towards us, that God is calling us out, God is calling us in, and I'm constantly reminded of him. And so Habakkuk, he doesn't take joy in what's going on around him, he takes joy in God himself. He, he's not taking joy because of the good day that he's having. He's taking joy because of the good God that he serves. He is preparing himself for pain by reminding himself of his salvation. And it's easy for us to praise God when everything is going well, right? It's easy for us to praise God when we get that promotion. Right? It's easy for us to praise God when, when, when we're on vacation. Hallelujah. That's easy to praise God. But how do we praise God when everything falls apart? Habakkuk is preparing himself for this. How do you praise God when everything falls apart? So the key for us, for Christian maturity is this, is we praise God in the pain by worshiping him for who he is and not just what he does. That we worship him for who he is and not just what he does. That we want his heart more than we want his hand. That, that, that we would be in his presence that we would seek after him, that we would take joy in him and not just all of the things that happen around us by recognizing that in Christ, we have already received everything that we need and so much more. That in Christ, you have already received the promise of the fullness of God in the person and work of Jesus. And so because of Jesus, we have reason to sing for all of eternity. That if God were to never give us another blessing, that even if we were to never see another miracle, even if there would be another move of God, even if there would never be another provision, that God in Christ is good enough. That he is enough for us. That Jesus is enough. That Jesus is all that we have. That Jesus is all that we need. And some of you in this room, you know this, that you know this because you've lost everything and you know that in that Jesus is enough. Amen. That we worship him for who he is, not just what he could do for us, but what he has done on that cross. Do you ever think about this? Do you ever just, just think about the gospel? Do you ever think about 
what Jesus has done for you. That you were separate from God in your sins. That you were a child of wrath, deserving of death, separated from God. Like this is who we are, that we have sinned, that we were made in God's image and then we shattered that image and made it into the image of ourselves. And that God would, God would see that. And though you deserve wrath and though we deserve judgment, and though we are separated, that Jesus would stand at the edge of heaven. He would look down upon his children and he'd say, I cannot stand back and let pain, suffering, and justice happen. I have to do something. So he stepped down from heaven, put flesh on, died the death that you deserved in your place. He took on the sins of the world on his shoulders, on the cross, died in your place. So now instead of wrath, you get mercy. Instead of, gra- instead of judgment, you get grace. That you are separate from him, but he has said, come into my kingdom, come into my family. Do you think about that? See, we need to be reminded of the gospel daily because we're so prone to forget. We are so prone to forget about what Jesus has done for us. That the bills pile up, the kids are screaming, we got work, we're driving down the road, and everything distracts us. And so when we're in the moment, when we're in that moment, we, can't, we, we lose grasp on what God has done for us. And we think that the moment that we're in is, is the biggest, is the, is the end of the world, it's the, it's the worst scenario, it's the worst situation. That all, all hell's breaking loose, the, the, the world is coming to an end. And so what we do is we try to fix it ourselves. And we try to, to do it all on our own. And we end up just making a mess of things. And so what, so what the gospel reminds us is that if God can do it, then he can do it now. And that we don't trust in our strength, but we rest in his mercy, his grace, his redemption, and his salvation. That we don't do it alone, but we do it with him. And that if he can save you from your sins, he can, he can rescue you, he can comfort you, he can help you, he can lead you, and he can guide you where you're at today. We must think about the gospel. We must remember what he has done. And so when we think about the gospel like this, how could we do anything but sing? How could we do anything but sing God's praises? How could we do anything but worship him? How could we do anything else? And so when you're in that moment, I want to tell you, worship is your weapon. When you praise God and you give him joy and you realize that he is your joy, it gives you the ability to overcome. And this is what Habakkuk is writing this song about. He is reflecting on God's salvation in the past. He is remembering God's salvation for his present. But he is also looking forward to God's salvation of his promises. And so he is looking back. He is taking inventory of the present. And he is looking forward to the future. And this is what he says here in verse 19. He says, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread upon high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. How many of you guys have ever climbed a mountain? Yeah. When Ashley and I, when we got married, we were dirt broke. Right? We, we longed for the day that we could rise to the occasion of broke. Like that's how broke we were. Like if we could just be broke, that would be great. Um, and, and so we were young. We were 22. We got married. We had nothing. 
Um, no friends of ours were married. We were pioneers in this way. And so um, we got married. We had nothing, right? When we moved into our first apartment, we had a couch that we found on the side of the road. We had a TV and some ugly hand towels a friend of ours gave us for our wedding. And that's it. And so we didn't have any money. We had a small backyard wedding. And uh, so while we're both in college, waiting tables uh, with no money, so we're like, well, what do we do for our, our honeymoon? So brilliant idea. We're going to go backpacking across Texas. So we, um, we, we, we packed everything up into our little car, um, and we drove out to West Texas um, to go um, backpacking in Big Bend. Have you guys ever been to Big Bend? Anybody? It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and so in Big Bend, there is a, uh, there's a mountain range. And the tallest mountain there is Emory Peak. It's only 7,000 feet. And so we had never even been camping before, all right? And so we'd never been camping, so we're like, this is going to be great. In August, West Texas, <laughs> camping. Hey, you guys. And so, so we, we go out there. We, we find our spot. We, we, we climb to our side of the mountain, and, and we pitch our tent, and then we... Uh, and then we, we, we go, we sleep that night and then we wake up and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make our, our way up to the, to the top today. And um, so, so we start walking. So we start walking up there and, and it was exhausting, you know, the Texas summer heat um, and, and we're out of shape, but, but we're still pushing our way forwards. And so it's exhausting, but we're, we're going to make it. Um, and then we get lost and uh, we take the wrong trail and we're off on this side trail that turned out to not even be a trail. And we're kind of wandering through uh, this, this backside of a mountain. And so while we're up there, I'm like, I'm like okay, babe, I'm getting pretty nervous. Uh, so just, just put your foot here, all right? And so just put your foot here, and then we're going to climb over on this side. And so we're lost, we're nervous, we're exhausted. Um, and, and so I, you know when you're up there, you're climbing on the side of the rock, you're, you're thinking like, um, if I fall, I'm going to beat everyone to the bottom. And, and not in the way that I want to. Uh, and so me, I'm... I'm scared of heights. I'm not actually heights. Uh, I'm scared of hitting the ground. That's what I'm scared of. And so we're up there. We're nervous. We're exhausted. But when we finally reach the top of the peak, when we finally climb uh, up to the top and we stand there together and we look back on all of the things that we have accomplished, that all of the things that we have overcome, that all of the journey that brought us to that place, we look back and we see it from a different perspective and it's beautiful. And that's what Habakkuk's saying here is that faith is like climbing a mountain. That when life piles up in front of you, that when suffering and injustice and hardships happen, that God will give you the strength to climb that mountain. He's saying faith is like climbing a mountain. When life happens, God will give you the strength. He's saying you can do this. You can do this because God is with you. God leads you. God guides you. God gives you the strength to overcome. And I know sometimes life is hard. I know sometimes life is hell. But when you see it from God's perspective, it may not make sense. But when you stand on top of that mountain and you see that God is faithful and that God will give you the strength to overcome, God will lead you and guide you if we trust in him. And this is what Habakkuk is telling us. So faith is like climbing a mountain and he's saying, you can do this. You can do this. So I know for some of us, we would say, but Byron, you don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what, what others have said and what others have done and you don't know what I have done. You're right, I don't. But God does. 
And he cares so much that he sent his son Jesus to make a way. See, on your own, there is no way. There is no way you can handle this. People say all the time that, that God will never give you anything more than you can handle. God will give you everything more than you can handle. So you trust in him. Because without him, we're lost. We're hopeless. But with him, faith grows in the fire. And at the darkest moment, light shines the brightest. And you can do this. And you say, but Byron, you, you don't know me. I don't, but I know God. And I know there are stories of people in this room who have gone through the same things that you're experiencing. And if we can listen to their stories, if we can tune into that song and learn those lyrics, I am confident of God's grace towards us. And so Jesus made a way when there is none for you because he loves you. He gave his life for you. And he's calling you into his family. He's calling you into his kingdom. And he's calling you into a life that is to be lived by faith. And this is why it's so important for us to connect into a local church. Because in my life, when I'm experiencing hardships and doubt and questions, when, when my faith isn't strong, I can borrow yours. And I can sit around, I can hear your story, and I can know if God is going to be strong for you, then he'll be strong for me. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at the gate. If you'd like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com or join us at 10.30 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you. Thank you.